October 24th through the 27th, the DC Improv. This week's episode, I drive to Niagara Falls with two buddies, Rob Melu at Rob Loves Arguing, and Evan Desmae at Evan Comedy. Please forgive me for the shitty audio. Go to BurtBurtBurt.com. This is The BurtCast. This is All right, now we're recording. Now this sounds much better. All right. Or at least, well, you know what? At least we're trying. <laughs> it doesn't work. It doesn't work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What are you going to do? It's- but, uh... But we might as well do a podcast. So last night, I have a hard time. <clears throat> I have a hard time hosting a fucking podcast. So I feel like I should tell people the backstory. But I don't remember much of last night. Last night I, we were in Toronto right now. I'm in the car with Rob and Evan. Rob is uh, both. They're both comics. They worked with me last night at the Underground, right? Yeah. Yep. Underground. That's what we call it for the legal purposes. Like the front of the place is called Clandestiny. But oh, really? we call it Underground yeah. Comedy Club in the back just because then when you promote it in case, you know, it gets a little too well known. If, if people don't know it's a place you can smoke weed. I was actually wondering about that. If, uh, if, like, when because you, you were like, yeah, I'm gonna, I'll, I'll mention it tonight when I'm up with Jay Okerson. And then, like, and then I said something on Twitter about going to Toronto and people were like, Bert. Where are you going in Toronto? And I was like, I was wondering if you were not promoting it. Yeah. For reasons. That's yeah, that yeah. exact reason. Yeah. No, I mean, we, we it's gotten to a point now where we can promote it pretty heavily. I mean, like, the exposure that Rogan gave it and stuff, it's kind of hard to even hide the place now. And cops don't really care. Yeah. Just weed people are a general paranoid people sometimes. So yeah. There can sometimes just be a level of paranoia around them that's like... But just to make it clear, it's not, it, it's not a place that sells weed. Yeah, it it's just, not, just it's, allows you to smoke it. It just—it's a place where you're allowed to smoke weed. Where the, basically, some place where the management says, "Hey, if they're smoking weed, don't bother them." Yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, boy, the fine—the fine for smoking weed indoors is actually less than smoking cigarettes indoors. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Why? Smoking uh, cigarettes indoors now that they ban cigarettes is five thousand dollars. But if you smoke weed, the only thing that you're getting charged for is like possession, which is like a two hundred dollar fine here. Yeah. Really? So, yeah, you're actually better off if it's weed than if it's cigarettes. It was an amazing experience. And I, I, it was so funny. I, I know I told both of you this, but I'll say this again out loud one time. Um, I said it a number of times on stage. Is I, didn't, I don't think I understood. I, I don't think I understood how much weed would be, be being smoked. Yeah. yeah. Like, I completely was like, oh, they're allowed to smoke weed in there. It'll be, you know, like someone will light a joint, yeah, yeah, yeah. like a concert. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> And yes. I was like, that happens anyway at our shows. Yeah, and then Dave fucking Matthews. Benson, Doug Benson was like, write a set list. You're going to forget <laughs> your material. I was like, oh, I'm not going to smoke. And he was like, no, no, no. Just being in that room, you're going to be high, higher than you've ever been in your entire life. Then Ari told me that. Then Duncan told me that. And I was like, mother of God. So I went in so fucking nervous. But it wasn't that bad. I mean, it was... It was yeah, you yeah. Can, yeah, yeah, you can hold it together. It's, it's, not, it's not the worst. It's when you go up and smoke a bunch before you go up. Yeah. Thinking, oh, I got to get high on their level. And then you're getting all so much extra high once you get up there. Yeah. Like, what happened to Benson was, is that, first of all, he's supposed to, you know, he's the weed-smoking champion. Everyone wants to, Benson walks into a room, everyone wants to get Benson high. Yeah. So they, he just did everything. He ate weed, he did butter hits, he did, you know, they were just, like, jamming every form of weed possible in his face. Butter hits are, are uh, I witnessed what those were last night. Yeah, they're ridiculous. That's, uh... They're scary to watch them being done. 
They really are scary. What do they feel? Have you ever done one? Yeah. It's just anything that requires a blowtorch to get me high. It just feels <laughs> like it's too much. <laughs> that's hilarious. It's, it's just too much. You know, it's too much hassle to be like, oh, I got to carry this. Like that's when you when weed becomes too large a part of your life. When you have to carry around a blowtorch, yeah. like that's when things have gone too far. Some of the people in that community just get excessive with it as well. There's one guy who works at another lounge who showed me a YouTube video of him hanging upside down on monkey bars doing six oil hits in a row. Why? I, I don't know. <laughs> that's when I think you've taken it past casual yeah, yeah. enjoyment. Well, it's the X games of weed. That's what I say sometimes when it bothers me a little bit is when it becomes like that's all there is. Is Like, like I said, is with the Ron Paul thing about when people are like, oh, I don't care that he hates abortions and stuff. He likes weed. And you're like, yeah, ah, come on. Stop it. There's other things. Most people like weed. Obama likes weed. He's just not doing a very good job about it. So wait, so Benson came in and they were just loading him up? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, it's He like, came in cocky. Really? He came in like, he went on stage. He said, if you guys ever wanted to get me high, tonight's the night. Yeah, yeah. Are you serious? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, it's, yeah, it's ever been your dream to get me high. Tonight's <laughs> the night to do it. And then, but it's like, I don't know if even say he was cocky. He just, okay. he felt like he oh. could... He's he, confident. He, yeah. yeah, he's confident. Exactly. You went in thinking I could. There was an it. air of arrogance <laughs> with his presentation of challenge. <laughs> he knew. He threw was. down. A, he literally threw down a glove and was like, <laughs> yeah. "He threw down a pipe." Yeah, and they uh, they returned in kind and uh, really? got the better of him. But you know, it's he he thinks that he ate something bad. Uh, he's, he claimed that he food ate poisoning. he had like food poisoning or something. Oh, really? They're never in the annals of history. They're never going to allow him to say that he ate something bad. Like they're, they're yeah. gonna, that goes down as the night they got Doug Benson too high. There's no way that <laughs> history will ever, you know. It's like when Rome fell. You know, you could you could find a bunch of different reasons, but you know, yeah. they're not gonna. The history books will write it one way. No one's ever gonna go. Oh yeah, the night that Doug ate bad clams. So. So we did. Um, so we. Uh, the story is the best. Is it's. Uh, it was like a. Li- I, like I sat down on the couch to pet the dog, and they're like, "Be careful! That's where we lost Benson." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that'll. Uh, that'll. Like, that's gonna be. He should have put his hands down and had them concrete his hands into the walls. Yeah. Just to. <laughs> just to show like, ah, oh, this is where we uh, we got Doug Benson too high. No wait, when did Joe come here? Uh, been here a couple times. Yeah, he... When the, he comes in to do, like, theaters, he UFC, comes in. yeah. So, the first time UFC came to Toronto, he did, like, Massey Hall. You know, he does a big theater the night before. Yeah. But then the night before that, he'll come and do Clandestiny. Uh, so, it's always, yeah, it's been great. It's always, like... That's the ones we really can't advertise, because, I mean, if you advertised it, obviously... You know, we'd have an insane amount of... You know, the, the people... The amount of people that show up for it already is insane. Yeah, and because you kind of have to keep it in just people who you know know the club. Uh, we don't advertise it really. We might drop a hint on Twitter of like, and people people expect it now. Like next time UFC comes here, people will expect Joe to be there at this point. It's just kind really? of people just know now. Yeah. So I'm always those are the like it's great when Joe uh, shows up, but they're always kind of the most stressful nights for me because like that's that was I started that room you know in that location doing the Thursday nights and that's how like Joe showed up the first time and but worrying that he's not going to show up makes the night so stressful of like that he might Uh, just end up getting something you know he has to do some shit and then you have a room full of people expecting Joe Rogan like last time the Iron Sheik showed up (laughs) what? yeah the Iron Sheik was in town and found out that Rogan was going to be there so yeah they brought the Iron Sheik the Iron Sheik hung out in the green room the entire time and hit on my wife 
Are you serious? Yeah, yeah. You're married? Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. You, didn't, you didn't meet my girl last night. But, yeah, he just, yeah, he kept just hitting him. He just sat in the green room. And then he came out. Actually, he worked out perfectly because Joe was going to be pretty late. So we used the Iron Sheik to stall. But just like we sent the Iron Sheik out there for a bit to call everybody faggots, and then uh, <laughs> <laughs> sounds like his material. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's that's what he's known for. He called a bunch of people faggots, and then we sent. Was his back. manager with him? Yeah, yeah. His yeah. manager, I think, runs his Twitter, right? Yeah. Okay, yeah, because yeah, his manager or Iron Sheik was tweeting me for a while, and I was like, "There's no way the Iron Sheik has, <laughs> knows anything about me." Yeah, his I know his manager. It's uh, they run it. We he just, seems yeah. like a nice guy. Oh yeah, yeah, it's great. <clears throat> I mean, the sheik. The nice thing is, <clears throat> at least he does it in the sheik's voice. You know, he yeah. he's not saying stuff that the sheik wouldn't say. You know, like you meet the sheik, he is that guy. I mean, it's not like a crazy persona he's put on. Hey guys, follow my manager. <laughs> the uh, so um, so we. You said you were gonna walk me through the history. Can you walk me through this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So so, so the, let me just. For those, this room is kind of uh, a little bit of, like, it's got a little bit of, like, comic legend. Like, because <clears throat> you kind of, the only way to get into it is being referred by other comics. And, like, Todd Glass, Rory Scovel, Jay Ogerson, Ari, Tom Segura. Um, it's it's a it's it's a really cool room. And everyone's like, you got to do it. It's fucking funny shit. You'll never have more fun. I couldn't understand why they were saying that. And then last night I got it. Because... There's no, there's no, like, cuntiness. There's yeah, not, yeah. there's no, first of all, I think everyone smokes weed there, so it's, everyone's got that positive attitude of, like, no one's going to go write a blog about what you said. Yeah. No one's going to fucking tattletale. It's just, like, right away you can take away any, like, even, like, you know, I do, you run a lot of dark stuff, like, a lot of dark material, and I yeah. work with a lot of dark comics, and you never have to worry about that that's going to be a problem there. Like, they'll accept not dark material. They're fine with it. But you never have to worry about bringing somebody there and them going, like, I don't know, that was a little distasteful for my, you know, sensibilities. Yeah. Like, that's... You can get away with pretty well anything you like there. Except for, uh, by the way, except for making fun of potheads. That's the only thing you can't get away with there. <laughs> uh, making fun of potheads and talking about hurting animals. The only two things that you can't do there. Really? It's talk, you talk about hurting... It's a pothead thing. You talk about hurting animals and they turn on you. Uh, <laughs> they fucking love animals. So even, even just a kind... You know, even, even a good story about accidentally hurting an animal, they'll turn on you in a fucking second in that, in that room. So so wait, so what's the... So the, <clears throat> the room is seats 89? Uh, I mean, it's supposed to see 80, but, you know, when things get crazy, you can yeah. squeeze a little bit more in. But you can tell, even, like the few extra people that might have been in there last night it like it should stop at 80 like any oh. any little extra that gets in there it you can feel it immediately I mean the entire place feels like a green room so when like they're like you want to hang out in the green room I was, I was like I don't know which one that is <laughs> it's the one with all the cans and <laughs> it's, it's got it's got it's got a like you walk in the front and there's like it's like it looks like a shop front yeah. where they sell like uh, cookies and, and and popsicles and water and and like just like little trinkets not trinkets yeah. really and then there's the room like a hallway that leads you into the performance room yeah. and then behind that is a green room correct yeah 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 the, the green room we only really gets used like that's pretty rare usually we just stand in the in the hallway but when it's like when it's packed like that you'll use the green room just to uh to give you a little extra space for things yeah and also to have that door open so that we can get a little air ventilating through that place because like you know there stops being oxygen when it's that busy, like yeah. the oxygen, your smoke, you're breathing just weed. Yeah. Like you, at a certain point, there is no more air. Like, During Rogan, they packed it in so much. There was probably 120 people in there. Yeah, I got people crazy. People were just sitting on the floor. 
Yeah. Really? The yeah. first time especially, yeah. The second time she tried to control it a little bit more and, and kind of closed it off. But the first time was like mayhem in that place. Really? They're hanging out the rafters. Yeah. And it was just, I mean, because no one, that was the first time. We had like odd, like Ari had, I think, been there before Joe with because of Rouse. You know Jason Rouse? No. Oh, okay. Wait, is he that really tattooed comedian? With that grill. Bald hair. Bald He's hair. He's got a grill? He's got a grill. He were like really... I think you're on the right path with a really tattooed comedian. You're, okay. He lives in Sweden a lot of the time. He's Canadian. Uh, they did the Monsters of Comedy Tour, him and uh, Chris Neff and, and Tripoli and, and Ari. I don't know. Okay. Anyways, so that, they brought the, they did the Monsters at Clandestiny, so Ari was there for that. And then uh, I brought Kilstein there at one point. And those were like the first two, you know, guys that had kind of come from out of town and done it. And then... Uh, but Joe was like another level. You know, I can't imagine just, Kilstein's acting there. Like, can anyone follow that? Uh, They're just like, uh, go back again about liberal, huh? What? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And <laughs> I remember him just smoke, like taking two hits of a joint. Like, this is the most rebellious thing that fucking Kilstein's ever done. And his wife probably divorced him if he, she heard that. But uh, <laughs> yeah, he doesn't smoke weed. I don't think so. Oh. I don't think he does anything. Oh yeah, he probably seems like that straight edge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't think that. I don't think there's much going on. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. And so, okay. So, so that's the room. Wow. I'm sorry. I. It was a long night last night. Sorry. So, so explain. So, give me the history of the room. So, like, because um, we have there is multiple weed rooms in the city. Like, there's a few weed rooms that do that, and you can perform comedy. But this one, there was like, a, there was two hosts beforehand, but the room was always just like couches, and. Yeah. It was very small. We held maybe like 15 people. And they were just the, the regular regulars and they'd fall asleep and stuff. And then uh, one of the, the the second hosts ended up leaving for like, she was going to be gone for six months and so she asked me to host it for her while she was gone. And uh, and then, but like I just, when I took it over, you just had to be strict with them. You got to start the show when you're, you said you're going to start the show. You know, I made sure you packed good comics on it. Like I tried to turn it into a thing. And it was, like, really quick to respond that, like, when it was a good show, people started showing up to it and, like, respecting the show. And it got to where, I mean, what, like, four months' time probably for me taking it over to that was, like, the best room. I mean, everybody. Yeah, it was every, the first in it, room. Yeah, not even just the I mean, at that, I think for a point it was the best room in the city, you know, aside from, you know, maybe clubs, like the downtown Yucks or something. Yeah. It was, like, it got so hot. It was, you know, 60, 80 people every Thursday. It was sold out, you know, pretty much entirely across the board, and uh, everybody would get a weed cookie for performing. Yeah, everybody gets a little weed cookie. You know, it was like no one was making tons of money by any means, but it was still a great. You know, I couldn't have asked anything better for. Uh, I was headlining uh, a weed show right before another weed show, and then going to host that every Thursday, which yeah. is what made me like all right a comedy. Like I, weed, if it wasn't for weed comedy in Canada, we'd have a real problem in Toronto. Like I'd say. 40% of all the sets I do are at pot rooms. Really? Yeah. We have that much weed comedy. And it's what it's what pays because, like, the audience comes out for it. And the problem with weed comedy, which you have to, like, with the weed rooms, which you have to overcome is getting it to where, because a lot of times, like, there's another club that's packed. But the problem with that club is a lot of times people are going to smoke weed and then comedy happens. Yeah. Right? So... The comedy is secondary to them. This is just a way of, you know, they go, it's a night out smoking weed instead of just being home smoking weed, but they don't give a shit about the comedy. What you had to do is force them to give a shit about the comedy first, and it was just a cool bonus that they could smoke weed. 
Uh, and then, so that's what started to finally happen. And then the room expanded really quickly. Like they started from, you know, Thursday nights, they started doing a Saturday night show where Boyd, uh, I don't know, I won't say his last name just because, well, I don't think he'd give a shit. But, but Boyd would do mushrooms. That was his, like, every every uh, second Saturday he would do mushrooms. Yeah. Like, that was, like, the show he would host a show on mushrooms. Uh, and so, like, that was the concept for that. And there was uh, the Mary Janes of comedy was uh, the other Saturdays. So it was, like, all-girls show the other Saturdays. And they started getting busy. So then he expanded to, like, a more amateur open mic night in the Monday. And then there was, like, a, a music and, uh, like, everything show on a Tuesday. Then he started running uh, uh, podcast. You think so? Podcast? Well, yeah, I'm sure that podcast is probably has to be the most used podcast name. Oh yeah, I'm sure there's a thousand podcasts out there. Uh, but then it got to where there was like five nights a week there was comedy in the place. Wow. Yeah. The only problem was is it expanded too fast and it ended up cannibalizing the audience. No, you know? Yeah, it was it was too much of the same thing across the board because like yeah mine was the pro-am night but the same professionals were showing up to every show yeah. you know it wasn't if it was a good room it's a good room the pros aren't going to not show up because you call it the amateur night like they don't give a shit they're right gonna, if there's a crowd they're going to show up to it so monday and it was the same as tuesday which is the same as thursday which is the same as saturday so the audience just showed up when they felt like it and it, it kind of took a dip so uh you know i walked away from it for a bit and it kind of you know like it kind of went down for a little while it took it was there's a period of about eight months where the wheels kind of fell off the place and it was rogan coming back again that it was like okay ufc's back here rogan actually rogan saved that place to a large extent actually because it really the wheels had fallen off for a while well all the shows stopped all the shows stopped because everyone stopped getting the same audience they ever used to so when rogan came back it was like, oh, yeah, this is fun. And I think Joey kind of realized, all right, three nights a week, that's good enough. We don't need to do more than that. Yeah. Keep the quality high. You know, charge a good amount for shows. Don't You don't need to do $5 shows. Like, put on professional shows all the time. And now, because of Joe, uh, the guy, the High on Trees guy on Twitter. Uh, which, wait, 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 which one was he? I talked to him. No, no, he wasn't there last night. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. But the people that work with him were, were there, but... See, he's taken because whenever whatever I did was a lot of times just like friendly relationships, or if I knew like you know T.J. Miller was in town, he came in once to do it, or when Big J was around, he came in to do it once. Like it was a lot of like when people were around, I'll get them to come do it. Like Todd, same thing. I'm friends with Todd, so like Todd Glass, Todd Glass. So come do. I would pay fucking. I would pay. I would pay. I would definitely pay twenty two dollars and fifty cents to go see Todd (laughs) do fucking that room in a heartbeat. Yeah, I would. I would. I would. I would enjoy that so fucking much. Uh, he, when he did it the it first was my time, favorite set of one of one of the yeah. best sets. The first time there, all he did was make fun of this one light uh, above because there was a pool table in there at one point, which was uh, that was a mistake. But uh, he made fun of the light above the pool table and this one guy who answered his cell phone, and he he did probably forty five minutes, and I don't know if he got to a single joke besides just making fun of the entitlement of that guy to answer his cell phone oh they told me about they were telling me about that last night they, I mean it was I mean he uh, he made himself a star in that room that's what's the best part about that room I mean they're, they're super supportive of Death Squad in general so if you're Death Squad you can walk into that place and because of the podcast and everything they and they, you know they got they got you there already yeah but if you can come like what happened with Big J 
is, you know, he comes and shows up during JFL 42 and just does a spot on the show with Ari. And when they, once they see you, that's it. They don't, you don't need anything more. Like, you know, same thing happened with Scoville. They saw Scoville. Mm-hmm. It was over. Rory? Yeah. You just need to see a person once. Yeah. So now because of Joe, Joe has started bringing in guys. Like, he brought in Duncan for the whole weekend. That's great. He, you know, oh, my God. He brought for a I'd whole fucking, weekend. I'd pay. I'd pay for that, too. Keep going. <laughs> I'll tell you all the ones I've paid for. Well, I'm, gonna, I'm, not, I'm not like, I'm going to shit on somebody. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <Nope. I> pass. <laughs> <laughs> no, thanks. Uh, uh, yeah, and he's got uh, Felipe Esparza, which I thought was a little off the radar, but uh, we'll see. He parties. That. Does he? Okay. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, I've heard actually some crazy stories. I, you know what? He's one of the more interesting dudes I, from what I know. I don't know... I don't know much about him. I know that he made me laugh my fucking dick off one night when I talked about this, oddly enough, on like two podcasts ago. Or no, the one that's up right now with Ralphie and Joey. I talk about watching him at Dublin's. That's the weird thing about a great room. A great room just shows up and it doesn't, it's not perfect. It's not like perfect, but for some reason, great comedy happens inside it. Yeah. Like, and there are great comedy clubs. Like the Irvine Improv is a great comedy club. It's just extremely user friendly. Um, The Laugh Stop, in Houston amazing it's gone now but that yeah. and it was weird there was like pil- two pillars in the middle of the room but it I feel like it's a room that convinces you you're you're doing art I feel like yeah. that's what was great about yeah. clandestiny was when you're doing it you felt like oh shit I'm doing like art back here like this isn't just like you know people are paying money to see some stand up or whatever like we're doing something interesting yeah in the back I think that's what made it so like people you, people bought into the whole thing like the real the mystique of it and and I think that's what's still keeping it going to a degree is that people buy into like, a, almost a family atmosphere there that's why the Death Squad show works so good there is because they're making it a like that they, as far as they're concerned that's like the hub of Death Squad it's like that's what they want to make them you know that, yeah. and I don't mean they as in the business I mean they as in the audience, the audience you yeah. know the people they show up to every Death Squad thing wearing the shirts and stuff like they're trying to make that well they have a meetup group but they're trying to make it you know so funny someone said to me Bert you need to reply to Jill and I knew exactly who she was talking about and then I knew exactly who she was and I was like oh yeah what was that about and she was like oh Jill was trying to reach out you know she's some of your dates aren't posted and I was like and Jill runs the uh, I guess official death squad calendar Okay. Of all the dudes that are, I guess, officially sure, Death Squad, yeah. and she runs a calendar so you can find out where any of those guys are performing on any given weekend. It's really actually a fucking really cool idea. I met her in Seattle with her husband. She's really nice. Really nice. Um, By the way, I wanted to talk to you about, I, it's funny, I, I overheard the idea, uh, What I, I don't know if you know this, but when I first asked you about this, when you are on the phone with Ari, me and Ari were sharing a hotel room, and uh, I, was, I was hearing him talk to you about the cruise thing. Oh yeah, that's a fucking genius idea. Yeah, like, that's such a great, great fucking idea, man. Yeah, it's a, it's um, it it could be really fucking fun. Uh, I'm moving forward with it. I, yeah, yeah, much like I am with a lot of my projects, like the vodka company that's fucking becoming a thorn in my ass. This fucking <laughs> vodka company, is such a fucking nightmare. I can't even express to you. It's uh, but we're st- I'm moving forward with it. Uh, the yeah, we're moving forward with it. I talked to a bunch of comics to kind of put feelers out on who would do it, yeah. and uh, and everyone seems there are a lot of people, and I kind of want to, you know, like it would be ideal if I, if you know if I haven't talked to Joe or Joey. I talked to Joey about it, but I haven't really talked to many people other than like 
the people that I kind of know would give me a yes. Yeah, it would yeah, be great yeah. to get a big, like a bigger name than myself to do it. Yeah. You know, obviously it's not hard, but like, <laughs> and then, and then make it at like a podcast during the day. Yeah, yeah. Like make it like a comedy festival in yeah, a weird way. Yeah. You, I mean, I think a floating comedy festival, I think is I like when I, open, when I thought bar. of a floating open comedy bar. festival. It's like, how has that not even been done yet? Yeah. Like, I mean, we were talking, I, I don't want to, like, lock down some ticket price, but, th- I mean, the number I was given yeah. for a three-day cruise out of en- out of California was, like, 200 bucks f- for a person round trip. And yeah. I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? Like, that's, like, the base price. Yeah, yeah. And then if you, like, if you try to, like, just incorporate some sort of uh, monetary compensation for the comedians and add that in like yeah, a yeah, ticket yeah. price type thing you know and then there's obviously that's the lowest grade room you could get but yeah. if you do higher and higher it could be a fucking great time better than that for a comic this is like these kind of like just talking about comedy we love that more yeah, than yeah, anything yeah, yeah. so a bunch of comics on a fucking boat for a weekend absolutely we'd fucking love it yeah 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 that, yeah, that would be a great fucking I, thing I mean I can't believe it hasn't been done yet to be completely honest like I, I almost, think they try I want to say the alternative um, people tried to do one. Um, the alts, we call them. The al- alternative. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I say alternative people. I don't know. I want to say Tig was in charge of it. Okay. Tig is definitely, in my opinion, a, a fantastic comedian. Yeah. And she is an out-of-this-world individual. I've always gotten along with her really well. And she's kind of a forward-thinking person. She's done a lot of things that I wish I could copy, quite honestly. Like, she's a really, like, enterprising comedian. She's the, I wanted to make a joke so bad I was going to leave it on the table <laughs> <laughs> She did a lot of things yeah. I wanted to do so badly like, uh, Have breast cancer <laughs> oh, oh no, no I definitely don't want breast cancer <laughs> But uh <clears throat> So um, yeah Tig was uh, Tig I think might have done, tried to do something like that Or try I don't know But yeah So I'm going to try to move forward with it I got my manager on it And my agent Because you know you can't get it done. I can't just fucking call up a cruise ship. If I have a relationship with Carnival, we may do it out of California only because that would be easier to get all the comedians. Yeah, yeah. It, would, it would cut the price drastically. And half you get a bunch of New York comics that are out in L.A. at that time. Yeah. Well, and yes, I mean, I got to imagine, could you maybe even incorporate it into your show to a degree to try to maybe get... I mean, I, I'm sure you've thought of something like that, but I mean, if you, you're on a travel network, you know what I mean? Like, you might uh, work that way to do know. something. I don't know. I'm sure any of the activity that's that go on that on that boat, Travel Channel would want no part yeah, of. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The, I guess uh, you, I, I'm not good at TV things. So no, but yeah, the, that cruise. Uh, we got. I got the ball rolling on it. I got the ball rolling on like three things that are like big things. See, the, here's. Can I tell you? This is what I really want the cruise to be. Like, I want it to be like this. We go out. This, I think would be. I think we plan it for like next summer or next beginning of next fall. Mm. Um, go out, do the cruise do it again the next year do it again the next year and get it to a place where it's like like in theory everyone gets so big that Ari could do his own cruise yeah you yeah, know yeah. I could do my own cruise you know Tom Skura could do his own cruise the sad thing is I, every one of us would want to be on all those yeah. and the money you can make on those yeah. things merchandise podcast share numbers get Pete Holmes in Pete Holmes is the biggest crossover on podcasts that yeah, I've ever yeah, done yeah. you do his podcast and it's that uh, it's Nerdist but man it's a different group of listeners like they do not it's not Death Squad yeah. Like, it's people that have never heard of you. First, yeah. first time I ever heard of you was on Pete's podcast. But, uh, but yeah, that would be fun. I did, I've done, have you ever done comedy on a cruise? No. Um, no. I've done it three times. Okay. All on, like, radio shows, and then once for Travel Channel. I murdered in, tra- when we did it for Travel Channel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My God, it was fucking, 
Oh my god, it's fun. I mean, I guess once you get to your level, it's probably a little easier. Like I've heard stories of being doing comedy on cruises where it's like, well, then afterwards you're not allowed to socialize with anybody. Oh no, no, I didn't do it for like I wasn't like a hired. Yeah, I just got to do it. Okay, like I, I I didn't. None of the rules applied to me. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I just got to do whatever. I told them I said I'm going to do whatever material I want, and I just fucking went up. And there was this black guy who booed this guy off stage, and this (laughs) black guy was wearing a white suit, white shoes, white everything, and I go, you got balls coming booing people on stage when you look like a human sharpie and the place <laughs> went fucking nuts it was a, a predominantly black audience um i love black do you get black on audiences cruise? up here um yeah. was that racist show. for me to say that on a cruise like i was no. shocked that black people were on a no, cruise. no 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 it's right. not it's not because you know i think when people think cruises you think old, old white people, old yeah. white people. Yeah. it's yeah. not um steve i want to say steve harvey does a cruise um they're, they what they're doing now, what cruise ships are doing, is they are catering to certain demographics. Yeah, I mean, you do the Leonard Skinner and Rick there's, Springfield cruise. Now. There's a there's Kid Rock is the one that gave yeah, me yeah, the yeah. idea. Kid Rock's cruise apparently is fucking bananas, like fucking, and he just comes out like twice, sings a song, does a meet and greet, hosts a tit contest, and it's like done, son. <laughs> they have midget throwing contests and stuff. But like I Steve Harvey has Steve Harvey has like a faith cruise. Oh, like the, but think about how much fun that yeah. would be if you were into that yeah, shit. You're right. If you're like, all you just get Sing is like gospel songs. Yeah. yeah. If you're into it, oh my god, gospel could be fun as fuck. And actually. you get to meet Steve Harvey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And sin and repent on yeah. that boat. <laughs> and I mean, the, the suits that you'd see on that fucking oh. boat alone would be worth the trip. Let me tell you something. <laughs> I would go on that trip. Ralphie May told told a story about. I think it was Ralphie, and he may not want me sharing this, but I don't. But I don't. I don't care. Uh, I mean, it's a good story, and I think everyone's had these moments. I think Ralphie did a, um, a, I want to say it was like a Steve Harvey or a, one of the black morning shows. I, w- I wish I could remember the guy's name, but Ralphie. Steve Harvey has a morning show? Oh, Steve Harvey's got a radio show. It's the really? biggest radio show in the country. Oh, wow, okay. Yeah. I'm completely, I'm a oh, yeah, he's family got, feud? No, 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 he's got a morning show. Where he like and my wife, my wife loves it. Really, my wife, yeah, because you know, like I think a lot of uh, my wife's Baptist, grew up Baptist. She's oh, like okay. kind of not anything, yeah. but that kind of hearing people talk on church, like go speak on, brother, yeah, like that yeah, kind of yeah, shit, yeah. makes fun. my wife comfortable. I used to get a hand job from this girl who was uh, Pentecostal. <laughs> And uh, <laughs> I had a Pentecostal sounds like you'd worship the devil, doesn't it? Yeah, it does sound a little fucking yeah. evil. Well, I had a we had a threesome, so I mean, she wasn't completely not evil. Uh, <laughs> and her dad um, molested her a bunch, which she told me about in grade ten, which was uh, so that that came from a good family. All the super religious families I knew were just ultra fucked up. Yeah, we had a Romanian guy who lived with us uh, for a year and a half because his dad was a Pentecostal uh, preacher, and he had like he was a Romanian guy. He had nine siblings in his house. And things were just so fucked up at his place, and my parents literally took him in just because... My parents were religious, and they even were like, this is too much religion. we got to take this guy in for a bit. And he lived with us for a year and a half, and then eventually went back to his family, but they were just so fucking messed up. He was so damaged one night, he uh, was late getting back. And my dad's a stern guy, but he's not like what his parents were. Yeah. And he was late for curfew one night, so instead of just like being late for curfew, he calls my dad... And tells him that he was kidnapped at gunpoint on the side of a highway. 
Jesus Christ. And then, so he gets home, for some reason, not expecting my dad's going to call the police. Like, he thought that my dad would handle yeah, that your this dad, investigation yeah. internally. <laughs> <laughs> we, don't need, we don't need to bring the fuzz in on this one. You, your dad wakes up the entire family. Guys, we got a mission. <laughs> we, we, need to, gotta, we need to get you gloves back. We all have, like, coats we had to put on and hats and flashlights. And, you know, we head out to fucking <laughs> head out the town. From the car. <laughs> so, so, the cops show up. And, like, the OPP, which is, like, our state police, show up. Other people's private? Yeah, other people's <laughs> private police. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's what ended up happening because... So the cops show up and he starts lying to the cops because he, he, once you're in, you're in, you know? Yeah. And uh, the, the only reason he finally admitted the truth is because the cops told him that they were going to have to stick a tube in his ass to check for traces of semen. And then that's when he was like, all right. All right, I made this up. Which I'm, I'm sure that tube doesn't even exist. I'm, I'm sure that's, that's their thing just, on everything. That's the lie detector test right there. So the it seems like you've been drinking. No, I can put a tube up here. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, uh, but yeah, so he was ultra fun. I mean, all all of the families, both the girls, I I, I had one threesome-ish thing in my life, and the, both the girls were ultra religious. Really? Yeah. I've had one uh, semi Three. Some it was a fucking was a nightmare. It was it, such a fucking nightmare. My, I, mine was a semi because it was a threesome without fucking. There was everything else yep. but fucking. Yeah, that's so. It's like, I, what do you call it? Wait, you butt fucker? <laughs> no, yeah. <laughs> everything else but fucking. Right now, that was an inside joke with me and one of my friends. Is we did everything but fuck, but fuck. Wait, yeah. we did everything but fuck, and you're like everything but fuck. <laughs> everything. But, never mind. My brain's not working right yet. Yeah. Um. What the fuck? Sorry, how do we... I don't remember how... Oh, Steve Harvey. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> how do we get the butt fucking? Oh, yeah, Steve, Steve Harvey. Harvey. So, yeah, the cruise. Steve Harvey does cruise. But what, Ralphie did this cruise, and uh, he went out. I forget. Someone... I just talked to one of the black comics that was on this, and they were telling me about it. And Ralphie went out, and they just started booing him right away. And he was like... And Ralphie, because it was an all black cruise, yeah, yeah. all black cruise, and Ralphie was like, <laughs> "Wait, wait, till they find out how much blacker Ralphie is than them?" No, <laughs> it, it, well, I, apparently he's not because they did not accept him. Oh. I, 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 oh. I might be mixing this story up with two other stories now, so don't hold me to this. But apparently, it was bad. Like they booed him, and and I've I've done cruises with Ralphie. My buddy Cowhead has a cruise. Ralphie and I've done mm. a few times, and um, and then they were booing him, and he made some joke about the Amistad. And they booed him. They booed him. They booed him. They booed him even more. And then, like, I think they pulled him off stage. And someone, like, I wish I could remember the black comic that was telling me about this. I don't. Why did I say black comic? Why can't I just say comic? Because I'm, I'm old school. Yeah. No, I, I, I prefer they prefer African comedian. No, I think well, any 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 comic can prefer doesn't mind anything. Yeah, we're the most accepting. We're the least judging motherfuckers. Um, so wait. The guy, I wish I could remember who it was, went out and was like, no, come on, fam. He's, you gotta, fam. we brought him out <laughs> here because he's funny. Give him a shot. And then I guess they brought him back out and Ralphie wasn't done fucking making fun of these people. <laughs> and Ralphie, and then Ralphie, I think Ralphie told me he stayed in his room the entire fucking well, trip. What the fuck could you do? What a terrible situation to be a floating bomb fest. Yeah. Like, they have to stay on a cruise God, ship. I wish I could people. remember the comic that was telling me the story. I fucking, my brain is... I think I might have Lyme disease. The um, <laughs> you only have two options in that situation: you either stay on a boat with people who have just who hate you because you bombed, or the headline is Ralphie May airlifted from cruise ship after a terrible set. He's had some bad experiences on cruise ship. He's almost died on one. 
What? <clears throat> yeah, my buddy Cowhead, they got him to, he got pneumonia, and he was like, don't worry, I'll just, I'll just battle through, and apparently ended up in Mexico, and they were like, we gotta get him the fuck out of here, <laughs> and so, and then he literally was hanging on by a thread, but I think he changed his life a lot, around a lot after that, and he's doing, I mean, leaps and bounds healthier than that, than at that time in his life, yeah. but uh, I'm gonna see him on Sunday. We're gonna go hang out and get barbecue. He should come up here. I mean, I don't know. I mean, obviously, I don't even know oh what he could do with that room. Oh my god, but. Ralphie could definitely do that room. Yeah. I, I, oh my yeah, yeah. god. Just set it up. No, I mean, yeah, he'd have to play a bigger place too if he wanted to come up. Yeah, he would. Room. He'd have to. <clears throat> I bet Ralphie would sell out a theater up here. Yeah, for sure. And then that's the weird thing. When do you think you go to theaters? Like. Like, it's, it's I can tough. sell I can sell an 89 seat room really good, <laughs> <laughs> but but fucking a theater is like is an intimidating it's a thing, point, you huh? know? Because Ari's at the point now where if he had decided, okay, I'm not going to go do clandestine at the time, like the problem is that he always want to go do clan, and then that cuts out, you know, 80 people if he, if he does one show that wouldn't yeah. go to the theater. But at this point, he can probably do a small theater in Toronto. Like how big is a small theater? Uh, you know, he could probably do 400. People, maybe 500 people now. You know, yeah. Diaz, if he came, probably could get. Do you get realize? Do you realize what a fucking tsunami of fun it would be if Joey Diaz could do that room? Yeah, it's, it's funny. It's the funny it's, you guys mentioned in that last podcast. Is like it's so. It's just too bad he had to kidnap a guy. Yeah. <laughs> if he just, just didn't kidnap a guy. Just one mistake you make when you're a kid. Yeah. And then all of a sudden it fucking. I, you know. So funny. I never really cared about the idea of a felony, but then yeah. you start thinking, "Fuck, did I never like I travel a lot. If I committed a felony, which is easy sometimes." Yeah. Like you don't even know, like maybe a DUI where you hit someone and leave. Well, and that, that story I told last night about the fight I got into was a couple months ago that he was there for. Yeah. It's like it was just a fight. I'm used to like you know, I you know, I came from a roughish city and stuff. I fought all the time. Not realizing now that I'm a comic, it's like if I get into a fight and like win, win or lose I mean if I, that guy hits his head yeah. if anything happens I can't <clears throat> go to America anymore and my career <clears throat> consists of fucking yuck yucks for the rest of my life like there's a lot of shit at what is what is time. the what is the story about yuck yucks oh god uh, <laughs> and, and re- I realize that you work there sometimes no I don't work there at all I'm not even physically allowed in the building anymore why uh, alright well I can bring you to the history of this <laughs> uh, so I worked I did I signed at yuck yucks like two years in uh, uh, Mark Breslin is the owner of Yuck Yucks who is like if, you, uh, if you've if you never met him he's like um, you know the movie Short. 54 not Martin well, he looks like Martin Short but you know the movie 54 with Mike what? Myers yeah uh, he's Mike Myers <laughs> from that movie oh, okay. he's got like a little velvet rope on a booth in the club that says reserved for Mark Breslin and he's got like he's like 5 foot 3 but he's got like a 6 foot 2 blonde model wife really and like he's just he lives that like weird stereotypical life so he, he's run these clubs since the 70s, and they were the first comedy clubs that existed in uh, in Canada. And they were some of the first comedy clubs uh, at all, to be fair. Like, yeah. he, he was in the game really, really early on. And he did a lot of smart stuff early on. Like, when improv started expanding, and when uh, To Catch a Rising Star started expanding in the States, to block them from coming into Canada, he trademarked the names Improv and To Catch a Rising Star in Canada, and, and just to hold on to them so that they couldn't come in. Shut uh, the fuck up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's he, a smart fucking dude. Yeah, yeah, no, this guy... I mean, <clears throat> Does he manage comics? Uh, well, so, okay, so the system of Yuck Yucks is... Hold on, before we start the system of Yuck Yucks, 
how far are we away from Niagara Falls? We got a bit still. Okay, good. Yeah, All we're right, good. good. We can probably we can get a full podcast in. Okay, good. good, good, the falls. good, good. We should end it by your reaction of seeing the falls, maybe. Yeah, yeah. good call. Yeah, good yeah, call. Yeah, yeah. We are in Hamilton right now. I hope the audio in this is semi usable. Listen, guys, if you're not enjoying the audio, I apologize. <laughs> Maybe uh, I don't know what to tell you. Yeah. Maybe listen to it in your car when you're driving to Niagara Falls. <laughs> and feel like we're all really, together. Right now we're looking to the right. We're seeing Hamilton. There's a smokestack and flame shield of that thing. Yeah, really? That's uh, Steelco and DeFasco, which is the largest steel production companies for all of eastern Canada. Evan really? used to be a tour guide, so this is a... Uh, oh, that's right. Like, I used to do a tour to Niagara Falls. From Toronto to Niagara Falls. Really? This is yeah. his route. Yeah, yeah. Oh, nice. Well, please chime in, Evan, <laughs> if you ever have anything interesting you want to tell me. So, yuck yucks. So, Mark Breslin, uh, Abigail Breslin's father. Abigail Breslin's dad. Uh, he, uh, so, the way the system works is that you got to sign with yuck yucks. Like, when you, 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 know, you do the amateur night on Tuesdays, then they, they, you know, they eventually go, okay, we're going to put you on Wednesdays. Which is what just before being signed is when you're on Wednesdays, um, and then from Wednesdays, you know, you showcase again there, and then they sign you. And when you're signed, now it's not legal because it's not a legal document you sign because if it is, they could be charged with all sorts of stuff. Like it's crazy illegal what they're doing. Yeah. But because they don't make you sign a legal document, they get away with it because nothing is actually legally binding you to this contract. Yeah. Um. So, uh, you know, I, I got signed to this thing. They tell you right in the, in the room, look, this isn't legal. If a lawyer looks at this, they're going to laugh at it, so don't think it's legal. But basically, you're not allowed to play any other comedy club in a market with a Yuck Yucks, right? And anything you do outside of Yuck Yucks, you owe them a percentage. So they're now essentially your agent manager. The only problem is is that there's 200 comedians and there's 10 clubs. There's not enough work for anybody, and they don't give a shit about your career because... The fact, the thing about Yuck Yucks is, is that the only, the, the highest you're gonna get paid is three hundred dollars a show, at a club. So three hundred dollars a show. Yeah. So my God. There's no benefit for them to make you successful because that's fucking ridiculous. And I, I mean, look, <clears throat> I mean, they've got to have they've got to have people that they bring in and get more than three hundred dollars a show, right? They well, okay. So they've in the last few years. And I know anyone listening to that going, that's good money. It's not. No, it's because you, I'm not saying that someone who makes, you know, uh, what is it? It'll be it would be eighteen hundred dollars a week theoretically, or you know, yeah. isn't making good money. What I'm saying is the club is making so much money off of that eighteen hundred dollars yeah. that, like, a club will pull in on a on a good weekend. <clears throat> let's just say on an average fucking weekend, the club will get ten grand in ticket sales, sell paper out a room, and it will make a dig load on. Food and beverage. I know any of my friends that run clubs right now are going, Bert, we've had this conversation. I, the, the, it's not, they deserve yeah. to make the money off the food and beverage yeah. It, yeah. because they put the money out to buy that food and beverage. And I'm not asking for a percentage of that, but what yeah. I'm saying is that is a lot of money to bring in in a club when you're paying $1,800 for a guy who is bringing people there and basically murdering to get fucking people, you know. Yeah, and, and the ticket prices, I mean, it are not cheap. Last night to go see the show at Yuck Yucks, would have cost as much as to go see you at an ADC venue and we could afford to pay you you know off of that show from the door at yeah. 80 seats yeah you know and it's like uh, comedy bar is another club you know to me the best club in the city you know excluding underground because it's a different situation obviously yeah but as far as just a comedy club it's a hundred seat black box theater it's the, the, and the owner 
lets you keep the door. You pay for a sound guy. It's like a hundred bucks for a sound guy. Yeah. That he keeps the, the food and the uh, and the drink. The sound last night was fantastic, by the way. Yeah, they, I they, wanted to they say that. Down. Yeah, That's yeah. That's really fucking good sound. Um, so so you sign with Yucky Yucks. So you sign with <clears> Yucky Yucks. Um, and then they get and then they say, all right, here's your here's your work for the year, probably, right? Yeah, I mean, pretty much. I mean, you get stuff thrown to you here and there, but I mean, a lot of the clubs are down to two nights a week. Too, you know, like you're doing Friday, Saturday. Maybe you're getting three shows out of the week, and they're so restrictive of what the, the major problem is. I mean, look, if there were just ten comedy clubs, eleven comedy clubs, and they signed you and they worked you at those clubs, then that'd be a great situation. Yeah. But what when you can't do anything else, you can't be advertising another show without having to cut them in. That's when it becomes a huge problem. That's, that's really even the improv, and and I say even the improv, and those I work with the improv and the funny bone. And they're my managers. Yeah. And, I, like, uh, Robert Hartman, who owns the majority of improvs, and Levity Lives, and I think probably pieces of Funny Bones, <clears throat> you know. I didn't every, realize that Levity was... Levity it's is... It's funny how you, you find these things out later. I didn't realize that Levity was... Uh, Levity improv. is improv. Robert Hartman owns, owns uh, the improv, he owns Levity, and he owns a production company called Triage. And underneath that umbrella is like, and he owns a, another company called uh, something. It's a digital, it's a marketing company. Okay. So uh, he does, he's an interesting fucking guy. I'd love to have him on the podcast. I, should, I could definitely get him on the podcast. You what should, the fuck are you talking about? I love, have you listened to the, we'll get back to the Yuck Yuck thing in a second, but do you listen to the Barry Katz, Jay Moore Stories podcast? No. When he has Barry Katz on, you know, I love listening to comics talk, but whenever I see Barry Katz has been on Jay Moore's podcast... I'm like I'm gonna go. I'm gonna learn something about the industry that I didn't know. Apparently, Barry's gonna have his own podcast. podcast yeah, soon. I heard about that. But man, is he ever fucking interesting on uh, on Jay Moore's podcast? And the first one he did was like I was riveted by that one. I've listened to it like three times. Yeah, Barry used to be my manager. Yeah, well, I mean, <clears throat> you're a comedian who exists in the world, right? No, no, no. Yeah, yeah. You know, he's <laughs> the guy that he's the guy that uh, kind of discovered me. Okay. I was working at his door. I was working the door at the Boston Comedy Club. Which is a club he owned, yeah. and uh, yeah, Barry was. Uh, I talked about Barry on with Joey and and Ralphie, but uh, Barry's a great guy. I, I have nothing bad to say about Barry. Even even the fact that I left him, it, I have nothing bad to say about him. And he has always has interesting industry insight. Yeah, that's that, what I, that can be sizzled in. That can be sizz, I could I could sizzle all of Barry's insight into into like five sentences, <laughs> but uh, <clears throat> but I won't. I'll let you listen to his podcast. Yeah. Again. <laughs> yeah. It is. It, uh, he's interesting to listen to. Well, I would be interested to hear what he's his his insights are now because he um he uh well he's for a degree right he's well no 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 he's he's had a different place in his life than he ever was and and he's experienced things on a level that not a lot of comedian managers have ever experienced working with Dane and you know I think I want to say I, I forget who else he's worked Chappelle with at one point like, well, he I mean, he yeah. discovers Chappelle. Yeah, yeah. He's a really interesting guy. He's a really fascinating guy, but that podcast is good. I'll listen to it. Yeah, I, I, that'll be on my subscribe list. Yeah. So hey, let's go back to Yuck Yucks. Well, but, but, well also, I just want to, I was curious. Why did he call it the Boston Comedy Club? Because he was from Boston. So, But did, didn't he think that people would be pissed off about that in New York City? Like, didn't that seem like something... Oh, it's so that, funny. I never really thought of it that way. No, it's... Boston comedy was really big in the uh, 90s yeah, yeah. and the 80s and 90s. And so the idea was that he was bringing these Boston comics down to work. And uh, and yeah, never. I never really. There was never really that kind of insight. Mm. I worked there for a couple of years, and I 
I never heard anyone say like fuck Boston. Fuck Boston. Fuck Boston. What That's a, a Boston accent. Yeah, I don't know why they would why <coughs> people from Boston would go to New York and yeah, say fuck, fuck Boston. Boston. <laughs> yeah. Uh what uh what happened to that club? Why did it close? Um so I will give you the I will give you the history of the Boston Comedy Club. All right. Ooh. So Boston Comedy Club was like in the nineties, Barry uh bought it and uh and was like I think everyone that worked for Barry worked at that club and they were basically just it was a place where he was like discovering talent and, yeah. and he discovered Dave Chappelle and and it was like it was fucking murder I mean those those rooms were packed I mean the lineups if you I look back at the lineups and it was like Dave Chappelle Louis C.K. Bob Kelly Jim Norton Pete Corielli D.C. Benny mm. fucking Jim Brewer like it was literally like Dane Cook uh Fucking Gary Goldman, Godfrey Dynshima, fucking uh, the, yeah. the, uh, oh, God. Did I'm, you just say Godfrey's last name? Yeah, that's what that's what Godfrey's last name is. Yes, Dynshima. All right, yeah, Godfrey. Know. Godfrey. God, <laughs> interesting way. I, I you didn't notice the last name. I never, I never oh, knew yeah. his last name. <laughs> <laughs> I forget sometimes that people know these people that I've known for fifteen years. Yeah, so like, I, I forget that Godfrey is someone that you would know. Yeah. yeah like yeah. in my head, I'm like. I, it, you forget that you're both out in the business working. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, you know, you know, Louis C.K.'s last name is actually C.K. C-K but but uh, it's yeah. spelled. He just something yeah. Hungarian. <clears throat> so um, so yeah, it was like a murderous place, and then you know, and then uh, he kind of gave it. He had he had this company called New York Entertainment, and in New York, it was much like what what's the comedy club in New York Entertainment? All right, he loves York, cities. Yeah. New York Entertainment was his management company, his production company, his booking company, and his and his comedy club. Much like Levity, it was the exact same business paradigm as Levity, okay. identical except on a much smaller scale. Okay. And so, and Barry really had no interest in owning comedy clubs. I think his interest was making movies. Yeah. yeah. So Chappelle and them take off. Brewer, he's got everyone. He ever represented like he's had more clients go on Saturday Night Live than any fucking manager ever. He's got. <clears throat> more development deals they gave him a development deal at Disney where he could give development deals well he told he tells a really interesting on the last it was like two Jay Moore uh, stories ago more stories ago uh, that he told a story about when he didn't have people in JFL one year like they didn't give and none of his clients were just for laughs so he went to the Comedy Nest and just booked the Comedy Nest for the whole weekend and put his clients up in the Comedy Nest and then for, like got all the industry to show up he does a good story about it it's it, talking exactly what you're talking about. It's worth going to the Jay Moore one and listening to it for sure. Yeah, he's an Barry's a really interesting dude. So then, what happened was um, <clears throat> ultimately Barry has this, you know, this club. It's a great. It's a, it was a. Let's be honest. It was a little bit of a shithole um, because the room was papered all the time. Barry, like on weekends, they would be sold out. But it was like two blocks away from the comedy cellar. The comedy cellar was kind of like the 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 uh, the Paramount Club in the city. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's where <clears> in you that area drop-ins from. Well, it was the same drop-ins. If anyone okay. if anyone was going downtown to do a set, they yeah. definitely hit both clubs. And most of the time, what they do, Patrice O'Neill was like a regular at the Boston because he was not really allowed at the cellar. Yeah. So Patrice would just hang out outside the Boston and just talk shit outside the Boston or outside the cellar. Just either or. So. Um, the, yeah, so the the club is like slamming. I get discovered. Frank Caliendo out of Wisconsin gets discovered, and Barry literally is like, I think at the time had already set up shop, but distinctly was like, I if this business is going to work, I need to be living in L.A. Mm-hmm. And so 
he uh, set up shop in LA and went back and forth. And then he started like, then he started like uh, taking his business and like, and like mainstreaming it, like uh, streamlining it, streamlining. getting rid of all the excess fat. And you realized, everyone Walmart. realized he's going to sell this company. Yeah. And so when he sold the company, he sold the company to New Wave Entertainment. And then New Wave Entertainment didn't want the booking side, nor did they want the comedy club. And so Barry just fucking liquidated them. And uh, sold the um, sold the. This is a great a great story. Sold the sold the booking side to Matt Frost okay. for like for like pennies. Yeah, yeah. I was like, I don't fucking want you want to you want to book comics. I got the comics. Yeah, yeah. You want to book comics? Good luck. And so like, let's just say, let's just say, I'm gonna bu- let's say sold him to him for twenty dollars. That's not the yeah, right yeah, price. That's yeah. just putting on the street value. And Frosty was like got a loan for $20 and was like, I'm buying this. And everyone was like, what the fuck are you doing? Frosty went around, turned around, sold that exact same booking company to Paradigm for a hundred thousand dollars. <laughs> like, like th- those are, those are just respective numbers. That's the ratio. That's the ratio. Yeah, like, wow. and yeah, it, it was, so there was always, no, there was a love loss between Frosty and Barry because of that. And then right as soon as he did that, Barry had Dane fire Frosty. That's the folklore of like, you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but anyway, and, and I know that mostly because I'm friends with Frost. I've been friends with Frosty forever. Yeah. Um, so yeah, he sold the Boston Comedy Club, and at, at the time, what you could do uh, is you could bark. I started barking at the Boston in '98, '99. No, when I was 26, whenever the fuck that was. I started barking, and at the time, there was this one dude, Andrew, who would do it, but he wouldn't necessarily get stage time. He was just doing it for money, yeah. and I was like. And I, th- I think he got on stage a couple times, but he was so bad that everyone's like, well, he's not a comic. Yeah. So then my dad fucking had this seminal conversation with me when I was 26 about humility and being a man and what it takes to be a man and what it takes to succeed in business and how I was a piece of shit on my birthday. He was like, you know, my birthday he was like, you're fucking, you're a humiliation to me. I fucking went to court the other day and the judge asked me how your business was doing and I lied. I fucking lied about you. I said, you're doing great. You're doing horrible. You're doing shitty. You're fucking going out and you're drinking. Look, if you want to be a loser, be a fucking loser. Be a loser. I'll pay for it. I don't care. And I was like, holy shit, I thought you were going to say happy birthday. <laughs> so It would be better if you wrote it in the card. Exactly. <laughs> so literally, I was just like, what do I do? Because uh, I was like, I go, listen, I remember being like, there was a time where I was like, I can either, um, I can either uh, say to him, like, get defensive and argue the point, or I can just try to fix my life and yeah. be like, what do I do? And I was like, what do I do? And he goes, it's too late. I fucked you up. I fucked you up. You have no humility. <laughs> and I was like, I go, dad, I can fix this. And he goes, I really don't think you can. I said, tell me the exact steps to fix this. And he goes, you're not going to like it. And I was, And I was like, tell me. And he goes, you need to go to that comedy club you go to, and you need to get a job there. And I was, and I said to him, Dad, that's not going to work because that is not how it worked back then. Yeah, yeah. You did not get jobs at the comedy clubs. Yeah, you, yeah. That it was, it was in New York. That is, there were comics and there were people that worked at comedy clubs, but there was no crossover. Yeah, yeah. So I, <clears throat> I said, Dad, it's not going to work. He goes, You said you do whatever the fuck I told you. He goes, You go to that club tomorrow. The guy doing it, booking it, was a guy in London. I wonder if you know him, Louis Schaefer. Oh, shit. Yeah, I got a funny story about Louis Schaefer right uh, after this. There's a million funny stories about Louis Schaefer. <laughs> oh, fuck. So Louis so Schaefer was was running the club, like, for all intents and purposes. Okay. He was he was, uh, he was was deciding when comics went up. He didn't do the set, the booking list, but, like, when he would, he was hosting, and he was working the door, and he was setting the club up, and he was, he was like, the face of the club, kind of. 
So my dad goes, go to that guy, Louis Schaefer, and, and tell him exactly what I'm telling you right now. You want a job? You'll do anything to get on stage. Your goal is to be a comedian, but anything that can get you to be a comedian, do that. So I went up to Louis Schaefer on my 26th birthday. I took myself out to eat. I had Thai food, and I wrote a set of goals down, 26 goals for myself that, that night. Nice. And I went to Louis Schaefer, and one of them was to get on stage, become a real comedian. So I go to Louis Schaefer. I go, Louis, my name's Bert. I, I knew Louis. I knew Louis. I hung out with him a lot. I go, I would love a chance at the end of the night to kind of pick your ear. And he was like, sure, sure. So at the end of the night, we go down to the Bagot Inn, which is the bar underneath. And I go, I want um, to be a comedian, and I will do anything to do to get a job. I, I, I'm looking for your advice. I will get it. I will uh, mop up. I will uh, pick up drinks. I will do anything. And he go, but I go, I need your advice. I, I need advice to be a comedian. I'll do anything. And he said, um, move back to Tampa. He was like, move back to Tampa and learn how to do stand-up first. Because I'd never, I'd only done it once. Yeah, yeah. I did it once, at, like, right after this Rolling Stone article came out. And I was awesome at it, I thought. Yeah. And so I moved up to New York. And then I did, I did one open mic with Dimitri Martin, and that was it. Yeah. So he's like, you need to learn how to do stand-up. You don't know how to do stand-up. We can't just put people that have never done stand-up up. And I said, well, that's not an option. I already have an apartment up here. Um, can, can you please give me some other option? He goes, seriously? Move back to Tampa or go fuck yourself? And so I was like, all right. So I called my dad, my dad back the next day, almost defiant, like going like, called him the first thing in the morning. I go, I talked to Lewis and I go, I told you that's not how it works. And my dad goes, all right, here's what you do. Go back to the club tonight and say the same thing to Lewis. Pretend you never had the conversation with him yesterday. Say the exact same thing to him and tell him at the end when he tells you to go fuck yourself that you'll be doing this every single night until he gives you an, an, op, an option other than go fuck yourself and move back to Tampa. And I was like, really? And he goes, go back with no ego, go back very humble and say like, Apologetically, listen, I'm going to be doing this every single night. This is called persistence. And I want this, and I will do it. So I went back the next night, and I said the same thing. And Lewis goes, didn't I tell you to go fuck yourself? I, I literally showed up at the club, and he was like, oh, you again? And I was like, <laughs> I go, yeah. I go, Lewis, I'll do anything. And I'm going to do this every single night until you give me an option that works for this, yeah. this goal I have. And he goes, all right, look, fine. This is on my 26th birthday, the day after. He goes, you stand out front with me. And you bark, and barking was humiliating. Yeah, I mean, humiliating. Yeah. And he goes, "You bark, and if you can bring in twenty people, I'll let you go up at the end of the night." And I was like, "Really?" And, and he that's goes, "How Bringer Show started." And so, <laughs> and now, now, mind you, there's no like the the concept of this is kind of. I mean, barking was done. People had seen people bark, but it wasn't like you couldn't bark and succeed. You could bark and be a loser. So, I, but I wasn't a loser. Like I knew a lot of the guys like from hanging out. So I go, I bark, I bring up twenty people, and Karen Bergreen goes up on stage. There's four Puerto Rican guys that are uh, in the front row and they're fucking heckling like crazy. Karen Bergreen goes on stage and they make her cry. And Lewis comes right running out the front door, literally looks at me and he goes, "You, you said you want to be a comedian. Now's your time." And so it wasn't even the end of the show. They bring me up. These four Puerto Rican guys laying on me, and I just go back to old frat boy mentality yeah. and light these motherfuckers on fire to the point <laughs> where they're so embarrassed and humiliated, they get up and walk out. The crowd goes nuts, and I'm like, fuck yeah. And then Lewis goes, you got a job. You can work here every night. You bring in, I'll give you, I want to say it gave me 25 bucks a night. And uh, maybe, yeah, 25 bucks a night. And if you bring it, you got to bring in 20 people. And if you can, you can go up either before or after Godfrey, usually before. Yeah, that's God for the best. Yeah, so you don't want to follow forty five minutes. Yeah, so uh, so I yeah, so I I started working. I called my dad that next day. I go, I got a job, and I, I started doing stand up. Six months later, Will uh, Barry Katz saw me, 
the day after Barry Katz saw me, Will Smith saw me, the day after Will, or was Will's company, David Tochterman, the day after that I met Will, and then I had a deal, I had a six-figure deal, six months in, working the door, and like, and just leapfrogged, and then moved out to LA, and it was like, I was rich, I had a fucking six-figure deal, living in a hotel, and I came back, and I still didn't know how to do stand-up, and then uh, Louis Schaefer asked me, because I was like the success story, and then I show up back, and there's four fucking kids barking. Because yeah, yeah, yeah. everyone's Everyone. like, everyone's like, oh, if you bark, you can get a deal. Oh, if you bark, Will Smith signs you. Yeah, exactly. They're like, this is a way to get discovered. Barry Katz then started looking at the barkers as like, as like, who, who's barking now? He loved telling that story. You go into a meeting, goes, this guy was working my door, the front of my door. Can you believe that? I didn't. I got so much talent around me. I can't even help it. So, um, and then. Lewis and I got pretty close and, and hung out and I, saw, I worked with him every single night and then at the end of I think at the end like towards the end he asked he asked me if I wanted to go to Scotland with him Patrice and Rich Voss and we went to Scotland and did Edinburgh Fringe Festival yeah. and uh, and that's that's how we became good friends I was I'd always been friends with Patrice that's how I became really friends with Patrice and Rich as well because Rich and I played golf together I think once me Ben Bailey and Rich and then uh, yeah but that's my that's my that's a Boston my Boston comedy club. So then I get went back, very sold it. The guy who bought it was a guy named Wayne Wayne. Uh, Radha? I think so. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I think Wayne bought it. I always thought it was radar. Uh, it makes sense. It's, it's ra- uh, yeah. No, no, no. I always thought radar because I wrote it down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Wayne bought it and then uh, so yeah. I know the audio is horrible on this, people, but it'll get better. We'll talk yeah. louder. Sorry, this, uh, we're on unfinished pavement right yeah. now for some reason. <laughs> so, like, what I, happened? I, I don't is know a dragon chasing them? <laughs> um, so, hold on. Louis Schaefer. So, that's so funny because I never actually met him. So, let me thinking. explain who Louis Schaefer is to those of you not listening. And, and, I, and I say this, and, like, this is the most beautiful thing about being a comic is there are people like this that grow in and out of your life that you you share that experience with other people and it almost brings you closer like you guys went yeah, to high yeah. school together. So Louis Schaefer was a 40-some-odd-year-old man when I met him who wore the exact same thing every single day. He wore jeans, loafers, a white button-down, a blue blazer, and glasses that were Prada-ish. So that was his joke. These glasses, Prada-ish. And so... <laughs> so... So, uh, and his whole joke was Louis Schaefer, not gay, not gay. Tasty black man in the front row, delicious chocolatey black man, not gay. Like, that was his joke, running joke. But he was really a, a smart fucking guy, and he was really funny. Like, he was genuinely funny to be around. Yeah. And there are some great Louis Schaefer, like, there we go. Yeah, thank there God. are some great Louis Schaefer. <laughs> there are some great Louis Schaefer, like, Stories, especially because he used to do a lot of the black rooms. Like uh, he, he didn't have a problem like doing a black room, and yeah. and he was just and he and he would he didn't have a problem bombing. But then he moved. He took me and Patrice. He met this girl who was Ed Burns. Um, I forget her name. I wish I could remember it. She, Ed Burns' manager, and they had a baby, and they got started got married, and then she moved and Lewis moved to London. And uh, when Patrice and I and, and Rich went over there, Lewis moved for good. Yeah. And he never came back. And I just got an email from him. He sent me an email uh, or a, tw- a tweet of a review of me, Patrice, and him huh? at Edinburgh in 1999. 
and it's just like these guys will never make it. They're, <laughs> they're never. They're the worst people ever. And it's so funny because I remember reading that review, going, "This might mean something." Yeah. Now you look back, and it's like one of the greatest comic voices of our generation. Yeah. yeah. And Patrice. So. Uh, <laughs> so wait, tell wait, me. Wait, we're talking about Voss, right? Oh yeah. <laughs> I fucking love Rich Moss. So wait, tell me, tell me your uh, Louis Chaper story. So uh, there's this there's this guy, he's kind of a famousish guy in London, Martin Besserman. Okay. Uh, known for just like he's he, so in when you go to London, I mean I don't know if it was different when you went over, but a lot of times they have compares, which is their host. Yeah, the host is the compare is the most. Talented of all the comedians, correct? No, it's oh, okay. the exact opposite. Oh, okay. Now the comedy. That's funny. Store, that's what some compares told me. <laughs> the comedy store might be different, but generally speaking, when you run a room, like some of the the hosts there are the most horrendous fucking comedians you've, you've seen. Yeah. Um, no, not all of them. And here's the thing: I shouldn't even I shouldn't say it like that. They, the hosts, are hosts there. Yeah. They're not. Some of them don't do anything else other than the room that they run. Yeah. They just host that room. They don't do anything else, and they, their job is not to like be a comic. Like when I when I host a show, I just got booked to host it, and all I do is try to get as quickly to my material as I possibly can. Yeah, these people have the host stuff. They yeah. do. That's just what England's like. So uh, Martin Besserman hosts these gigs, and he is known for being, first of all, crazily misogynistic. All really? he does is just ask girls out after the show. He just books a bunch of girls on the show and then asks, but and and just comments on their attractiveness and will let you know. He's just very autistic. He's clearly yeah. has a lot of odd in him. Um, yeah. So he, uh, me, and my buddy from uh, this Magnus Bettner from Sweden, I was telling you about, uh, who's like kind of like the stand-up of Sweden, uh, is is there. So he's selling the show this this Thursday night show that Martin Besserman runs. He's selling the show to the audience on it. I'm the oh, this Canadian I heard is very good. And and Magnus Bettner from Sweden and Louis Schaefer is here tonight. So he sells the show on this. Me and Magnus go up and like we were like, all right, let's get up early, get the fuck out of there. So we're done. Louis's showing up later. So he's one of those guys where his introductions are like, he just doesn't know what he's 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 gotta be autistic. He doesn't know what to say. Yeah. Like my his introduction up to for me was I heard this Canadian is very good. We'll see about that. Like, Rob me. And you're like, that's threatening. Uh, yeah. So, so he goes, uh, well, that was after, right after me because I was the, like the other thing he was trying to sell the show on. He goes, oh, that was, uh, you know, give it another whatever. And he's like, we have, Lou, uh, remember, we still have Louis Schaefer on the show. He's like, Louis is quite interesting, I find. Uh, last year, his wife left him and he's oh, quite bitter about it. Which I find to be very interesting. <laughs> Anyways, that's later. And I was like, that didn't sell the show at all. His like, wife left him. It was like, there was no, like, usually... <laughs> oh, sorry, he started he started off that sentence by going, now, Louis wouldn't like me saying this. Usually, usually when somebody says he doesn't want me to say this, it's like, Louis wouldn't want me to say this, but he's one of the finest... Com- you know what I mean? Usually there's a yeah. compliment that follows. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You wouldn't want me saying this. Not just no, not just... Things. His wife left him. His dad like, died today. He literally... And it's affecting his comedy. So <laughs> let's see if he can pull out of this one. <laughs> and then Louis, he doesn't even know... So the worst part is, is that he's not in the room. 
So he doesn't even know that, he, this, that this guy said this about him. Oh, shit. So now if he goes on stage and he's a little bit angry, yeah. the whole crowd's going to go, well, because your wife left you. And he's going to go, what the if fuck? He, if he talk, mentions his wife, and like an old joke, he says, <laughs> yeah. me and my wife went to have coffee. They're like, that didn't happen. Yeah, what was this joke from 99? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, so that's my Louis Schaefer story. I never actually met the guy. All I know is that his wife left him, and he's quite bitter about it. <laughs> the hardest I've ever seen Patrice O'Neill laugh is... Uh, we did there was in Scotland I want to go back to Edinburgh to be dead honest with you I, you know what I I'm should reach out year. to Brett Vincent and tell him I want to go to Edinburgh I wonder if I, I could probably win selling tickets I think it's all about selling tickets down out there right um, well we'll talk about this after yeah. um, I'll, I'll, I'm going to be in England for next year for 8 months so if you've ever wanted to come across I would certainly... fucking love I got my buddies producing Mission Impossible 5 in London oh nice so oh. I have a fucking place to crash and the there I could you know be it's, he's one of my best friends yeah. so Tom right now Bruce. he's he, no his name is Tom though um, <laughs> uh, my buddy Tom is in, yeah doing Mission Impossible Five it's funny you're sta- <laughs> like I told you you were staying in a hotel that Tom Cruise stays at when he God, comes that was to a fucking nice hotel comics if you're listening to this this fucking room is the room you want to play it's such a great room so much fucking fun hold on we're still talking about England so yeah Patrice O'Neill we get this this the, I. This is such a look. I'm not proud of this story. So we go. We get each get a night. We're making money for the get for this thing in Scotland. It's 27 nights in a row. I want to say 24 nights in a row, and we're each getting money for that. And then booked Sharon. Sharon. Sharon, Sharon was her name. I think is was Louis Louis ex wife. Okay. I think so. <laughs> I forget. And so she had booked us. At Leighton Live. Leighton Live was... Yeah. Is it still? It's still, yeah. yeah. It's the hottest place to yeah. do comedy in, yeah. in Scotland. It is sold out. It is fucking maybe four or five hundred people, standing room only. Yeah. Everyone's standing. Everyone is silent. Everyone is drinking beer. And everyone is an awesome audience member. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, they're also British, and they do not... Or, or Scottish... But same thing, I think. Oh, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of English people there. I mean, the there's a lot of English, London yeah. shuts down and it goes to Scotland. And so, and so it is... You know, there is, you know, perceived um, uh, things with that they're thinking about Americans, but definitely. So they get uh, me, Voss, Patrice, and Lewis uh, sets at Leighton Live. $700 is what we got to do it. It was really fucking good money. Yeah. And now. $700 or pounds? 700 pounds. Yeah. I mean, that's. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, um, so we get the money. uh, we get each get a night, and it goes. It goes. Voss, Patrice, Lewis, me. I did the last one, so Voss goes up and kind of, kind of bombs. But he, Voss never bombs. Even if he bombs, he doesn't bomb. Like <laughs> he didn't bomb, but he definitely. Um, you could see him working. He was yeah, definitely yeah. working for it, and uh, and we're like, wow. And <clears throat> we go out. We cel- we celebrate that night, and we hang out. That was the first time I met Russell Peters, and so um, me, Patrice. And Patrice the next is the next one. He goes up, and Patrice actually kind of killed it a little bit. Mm. Like he actually killed, and I think it helped sell tickets to our show because people saw Patrice and they were like, "Wow, we're gonna go see him live." Mm. Next one is Louis Schaefer. Louis Schaefer takes a hot dick to the face so <laughs> fucking quickly. So I'm I'm never forget. Me and Patrice are in the balcony, and we are watching this happen, and. Lewis comes out and he's like, hey, and he's got way too much energy. An audience can read nervous energy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's got way too much energy. He's like, hey, all right, Scotland. And then he uh, tries to like connect like uh, like uh, by saying one of the local things. 
like, how are you cunts doing? <laughs> and, and they're like, oh, Jesus. Yeah. You can feel it. Yeah. And so then he goes, he's like, I'm just so happy to be here. And it's so not his energy on stage. You can tell it's nervous energy that they, you hear someone, like, throw up, boo. And, and, and everyone's like, and some guy says something, and then Lewis attacks the guy too hard. Like, well, then fuck you in the face. Like, or yeah, something yeah, yeah. real aggressive. And then they start changing, and Lewis... Drops the <laughs> drops the mic and goes behind the drum set that's on stage and starts playing drums. <laughs> and they're like, I mean, you can see these people start turning. And Patrice starts laughing harder than I've ever seen him <laughs> laugh because he's watching this happen. And he starts and Lewis goes, runs back and grabs the mic and tries to like take him over for 15 minutes. He bombed so hard that they lost it. And Patrice was laughing so hard. And I was laughing at parts. But then I was like, I felt bad for Lewis. And at one point, I'll never forget this. We go backstage. No, no, no. We're we're standing. We're watching Lewis. And now the place, the lunatics are running the asylum. And they are fucking literally tearing him apart on stage like a fucking (laughs) phone book. Just page by page. And Lewis is... And Patrice is laughing. And he looks at me dead serious. And he goes... So, uh, how about next Thursday I take your set for you? And I was like, like almost like that grease moment. Yeah. He goes, I go, no, no. And he goes, do you want to take the chance that this is you? <laughs> or do you want me to just do it for 700 bucks? And I go, do it. I go, I can't fucking do this room. I go, this will fucking destroy my comedy ego. Yeah. I've been doing comedy literally probably a year and six months at the time. There's yeah, no way I could have done it. Yeah. And so Patrice took my night and got the 700 bucks and then bought me dinner. Yeah. He was like... He was like, yeah. He goes, you don't want any part of this. We went backstage. We went backstage. Me and Patrice. I want to say Voss was there too. And Lewis. Voss might have been backstage the whole time. And Lewis comes off stage. And is, is we're sitting backstage. And he's panting. And he's sweating. And he goes, uh, i never forget. He looks at Patrice and he goes, that didn't go so bad, right? And Patrice yeah. <laughs> lost it laughing. <laughs> yeah. Fuck. Lewis have to play the drums. Oh. Yeah. That's not a good sign. Lewis is an interesting dude. He looks looks so different now. Lewis will fucking get so excited that we're talking about him. You know, well, I was going to say, you, you mentioned, like, how there's those people in comedy that connect everybody. And I don't know if you have anything on this, but I actually want to do a podcast called the Rick Shapiro Podcast. Called what? The, the Rick, Rick Shapiro. Shapiro Podcast, where Rick is never on the podcast. It's just yeah. comedians telling stories about Rick Shapiro because I feel like every do you have do you have oh, ever of met course. him? Oh yeah. He, yeah. He, came, he used to come to the Boston Comedy Club in leather pants and a fur vest <laughs> and uh, and just stand outside and talk about how they used to uh, they used to get drugs from rich yuppie guys down uh, down at the clubs him and his chick yeah. and I was like I remember there was a guy Josh fuck I'm so sorry Josh Josh fuck I just saw him recently. I'm almost convinced the guy's name was Josh Fuck at this point. No, Josh, and Josh was like a very hardcore, edgy, party, ecstasy, cocaine dude, yeah. kind of dude. And Josh would tell me, you know, Rick's a genius. And I was like, oh, really? And then he went on stage one night, and I was like, I don't see it. Like, <laughs> it seems like all over the map. And he goes, no, you just you've been doing comedy long enough to get it. It's fucking great. It's brilliant to watch. But yeah, Rick, Rick Shapiro is an interesting fucking dude. We it, here's the thing about with Rick, like. When you're in conversation, because I did two weeks with him, like on the road when I was with really? Yuck Yuck still, because Yucks used to book him, and we can bring this back around to Yuck Yucks right after, then it'll work out perfectly. Uh, we, uh, I'm telling you how to run your podcast now. Uh, <laughs> Please, someone needs to. <laughs> Wait, are we close to Niagara yeah, Falls? Yeah, yeah. So I'll wrap. Really? I'll, I'll tell a Rick story, and then we can talk about Yucks quick, and then we're we're gonna see the falls. 
Um, I'm afraid the drug dogs are going to stop us just from our clothes Sweat. that we packed. <laughs> just because our sm- I, I was wondering if my clothes smelled like marijuana this morning. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, yeah. so keep going. So Rick is one of those guys where some you can see his brilliance in conversation. I find more than anything. Like I remember him telling me about how he hates doors and how doors are the anti-truth. And on the surface, you're like, what the fuck are you talking about? But then when he explains it, it's like, if you think about it, when you come through a door, it's the most disingenuous moment of your entire life. It's like when you walk on stage that first second of like, what the fuck do you do? You know, hey, that's not you. That's not you at all. So the whole point was like, when you're walking through a door and the expectation of going into a room with all these new people is the most dishonest moment that you live. So it's like him explaining, if he just said the doors are the anti-truth, like he thinks that everyone gets that on stage. Yeah. But when you're in conversation with him and you have time to actually extrapolate what he's saying, that's when you're like, oh, fuck, that guy's totally right. It's like, the, you know what? He reminds me of, and I, I use this guy as an example. Do you know Howard Kremer? Yeah. Howard Kremer is, in my opinion, so fucking funny because he does the same thing. He allows you to do the math in your head. And if you can do it in your head sometimes, yeah. you're really like, you really feel like you got the joke. Yeah. Um, I, remember, I remember he had a joke about, he was like, uh, it was during the. Do you remember Pat O'Brien? I think his name is Pat O'Brien. Yeah, from uh, yeah, yeah Entertainment Tonight yeah, or something. Yeah, and yeah. he was like left those sex tape yeah. calls. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and uh, and he went up, and everyone was doing an impression of it, but they were you know really leading into what the impression was at the time, not not on the show, but at the time. Yeah. And he said, um, and he just went up and just started doing the impression of like, oh, you're so fucking hot. People didn't understand who they were. He was doing this impression of. He was like, oh, you're so fucking hot. I want to kill him out of a shot. And I started <laughs> laughing so hard. But he, but people didn't get what, the, you know, like he was forcing them to do the work in their head. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so we're, are we still in the in Canada right now? Yeah, yeah. Nice. Bridge to U.S. on the left. Will we see yeah, Niagara Falls go, from we're Canada? Go right first. Yeah, yeah. It's better to see it from Canada than the U.S. We have the really? better side, yeah. Oh, I wonder if we ever try to take that back. I mean, you'll, at one point you will. Okay, uh, give us some facts about Niagara Falls. Okay, well, well, I gotta do some facts when we see the falls. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. okay, yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. Um, Rick, one night, this is the most genius I've ever seen Rick, in Montreal, we're doing a show in Montreal, and he does an hour, and he connected with these people. They, they, he does this music bit at the end where he's hitchhiking away from his dad. My dad loved him. They were standing at, for this bit. It, I've never seen it so obviously been the closer. There's music in the bit, they're standing and applauding. I'm standing, I'm hosting, I'm standing next to the stage, I'm like, this was beautiful. This is perfect. He does another half an hour of bombing. (laughs) (laughs) You're like, you had it. It was perfect. It was an hour. The show, like, they they wanted us to wrap up the venue. Like, everything was said is done. We could have lit the place on fire and walked out. (laughs) And he does a half an hour afterwards of just eating his balls. But that's, yeah, Yuck Yuck used to book him. uh, Because this, they will bring in Americans. <laughs> as uh, artistically important, like they brought yeah. Doug back, they brought Stan Hope in back in the day, as artistically important. What do you he, mean? Uh, are, are Americans not allowed to work there because they of... mostly just book Canadians? Because first of all, we'll take the shit money, and then you also don't have to you don't have to pay travel or anything, right? Yeah. yeah. So um, they uh, they would book Rick as artistically important, they book Stan Hope, whatever. But they they had to stop because Rick walked too many people last time. But um, yeah. So, anyways. Yes, I don't know what else to say about it. I feel like every podcast I'm ever going to do for the rest of my life, I'm gonna, I'm the shitting on Yucks guy. Basically, Maria Bamford. Speaking of which, we just drove by Yuck Yucks. Are you serious? Yeah, yeah. yeah there's Yuck Yucks. Where's, where's Yuck Yucks? 
the sign was back there. Yeah, there's uh, this, uh, there's one in the, so Seneca, the, right. the, the Casino Niagara, the scummy casino here. Oh, there's casinos here? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, That's a casino. Falls That's a wa- right is there. that a water park? Uh, maybe. This is this whole town is like um, like some sort of this terrifying amusement Vegas. park. Yeah, yeah. It's just like a shitty scumbag town. Really. Do you th- okay, be honest. Do you think this town um, would be as important if Niagara Falls wasn't here? <laughs> Oh, no, 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 no. I'm joking. Yeah. I'm joking. <laughs> like, do you, do you think this is all based on location? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's just Atlantic City with with a waterfall and this is no, fucking... no Donald. Trump. Oh, is that a Mountie? Oh, that's a statue of a Mountie. <laughs> oh, is it, I was gonna say no. It's a huge black lady. Do you want to go be a Mountie? No. <laughs> um. Anyways, I'm not physically allowed in Yuckx anymore. Is the moral Why? story? Uh, the I was Bamford working with probably. Maria Bamford and. Uh, I told her basically these same things about what is this lady this wearing? This is amazing. Uh, this is not going to work out good for the podcast visually, but yeah. Um, She's just adjusting her leggings. These odd leggings and wearing like a pirate hat thing. She looks like Steve, uh, like uh, like Joe, per- like Stephen Tyler. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, anyway, I, I was Joe Pesci. <laughs> Joe Pesci. Uh, I was working with Bamford, and I told her how Yucks works, and she went on CBC Radio and told. Everybody that did need to rise up against the evil Mark Breslin and Yuck Yucks. Ah. And then, so I'm sorry, but this is to your left. What? The falls. Oh, I, oh I'm going to go, go bring us around. All right. Okay, don't look left yet. Don't okay. look left. I won't yeah, look keep, left. Keep looking to the right. So, so uh, yeah, and then, so I got slowly fired. They didn't fire me on the spot after it happened. They just stopped booking me. Really? And then, um, I remember, do you know Lee Camp? No. Okay, New York comic. Kind of Kilstein y. Uh, yeah. He's like New Kilstein. Um, New Kilstein? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> So they. Uh, I'm trying not to look at the falls because I want this reaction to be genuine when I first see it for the first time. So I'm looking down, kind of trying to get car sick, and and that will be that will be how we end this pod- podcast is by well we well no we're not gonna end we're gonna uh, we're going to uh, my reaction will be the uh, the highlight and then we'll get some facts from Evan about the falls. But so. but get ready for a reaction. This is this is uh, I don't know if this has ever been done on radio ever. Is <laughs> someone's first time seeing Niagara Falls? Now I've wanted to see Niagara Falls when I lived in New York. I used to try to get people to drive up with me so I could see Niagara Falls. I'm not looking. I'm not looking. But I used to try to get people to drive up so I could see Niagara Falls, and no one ever wanted to do it. I was like, we can take a train. It'll be a fucking blast. Yeah, so it is really. I mean, it's uh, is it the, is this mist? Right here, that's nope. coming up. This is rain from the falls. It's, yeah, this it's well, it yes. Mr. Yeah. Rain. Yeah, he had it. No wonder. <laughs> no, no wonder all this is green. Everything's green around here because there's water just coming off Oop. of everything. All right, you can look to your left. I can. Yeah. I can't see anything. <laughs> what a bad time. I can't see anything. <laughs> Wait, are we gonna park the car? Yeah, we can. We can go park if you want somewhere and then. Uh... Let's. Yeah, I want to see it. Wait. Yeah, we'll walk out. We'll go Wait, park and walk out. Is that it? Yeah. Yeah. My favorite fact about the falls is they actually cut the falls in half at night. They divert it into dams to like sieve all the water up because this is where we get most of the hydroelectricity. Really? Ontario. And also America. We split the electricity in half. But it's half the amount of water that goes uh, at night. Really? Yeah. It was, uh, do you remember the big blackout in like 2004 or whatever of the Northeast? I don't know if you maybe lived in New York at that time or if you're Oh, I can see the top of the falls right now. I don't... There's seven What's right people here? who have gone over the falls and survived. Oh, no, sorry. Seven people have gone over, two people have survived. And both times, they were in uh, actual uh, wine barrels. 
So wait, say that again. There are seven people that have gone over the falls. There are people that have gone over the falls on accident, right? Yeah. Uh, there's one story. I think it was in the late, uh, early 90s. Uh, this guy took his boss's kids out on a boat. And they're all like having a nice day on a boat. But they were up the river a bit. And they got pulled into the current. And they got pulled down. And the boat actually went over. And everybody died except for the one boy who had jumped out of the boat. And had just gone over and was just... He's so young and frail. I guess he was able to survive. Wow, this is the river above the falls. So we drove past the falls. I didn't really see it. Yeah, so, we'll, go, we'll go back But around. this is the river. We could just drive on me on the other side. Maybe we can see it that way. Yeah, just okay, head back the other direction. Cool. Yeah, yeah. So we don't have to park. This is the river leading up to the falls. This is pretty fucking amazing. Yeah, this is the dam right here that they, you know, use. Damn! Yeah. No, the dam's actually for the dam. <laughs> All right, well, that's oh. a big building. It's <laughs> a big building? <laughs> That that's the original one. Uh, uh, where did uh what side of the what side of the falls were Lois Lane and Clark Kent on in the movie Superman? <laughs> <laughs> that, you know what the falls have actually how far have the falls moved, Devin? Uh twenty one miles it's receded. Yeah. The falls like move because it erodes, right? So Really? Yeah, yeah. In uh, another thousand years or so, the American side of the falls won't even exist. Oh well yeah, we won't be here for that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I bet America I won't even exists. be here for that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Right now, there's a bunch of uh, people going, oh, come on, man, stand up for America. If we're here in a thousand years. I love that everything's so lush around here because yeah. of the fucking mist that's got to be coming all over, all like, all the time. The mist that's coming all over everything? Yeah, it's just, I'm, they're getting bukkakied with yeah. mist. Uh, in the winter, it's ridiculous because that mist freezes, right? So everything's just iced over. Shut up. It's so dangerous. Really? Yeah. I think it would look badass. Oh my god! I can see it from. I can see it going like. Over. Wait, do you hear it? Just kidding. <laughs> I can see it. I can see it going over. I can see yeah. it looking over. And I just saw a glimpse. We're gonna see it. Here we go. This is a moment we've all been waiting for. I will be able to see the falls, at least this part of the falls, right when we pass these trees. I, I wonder if any ducks right. ever go over. Uh, well, they can fly. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. Ducks can fly. But I wonder if a duck's just not paying attention, yeah, like just fucking. He gets halfway down. And he's just like, playing just... grab ass with another duck, and he's like, <laughs> "Oh man, honeymoon capital of the world." Well, I wonder why. Because uh, there's a casino, and then you get to see the falls. So that, that side over there—that's an actual island. Oh, is that the American side? That's the American side. So that's America, and there's an island that separates. Like, this is the Canadian Falls, and there's the American Falls, and that island separates it. Where did John Daly try to hit a golf ball? I don't know. <laughs> Into a is that an island right there? Is that the island right there that you're talking about? Yeah, the one with God, the this is fucking pavilion. overwhelming. It's amazing when you see nature in fucking such grand scopes as this, like something so, yeah, yeah, like yeah. the Grand Canyon. I sat on the edge of the Grand Canyon, and it was straight down 4,000 feet. To, I have a great picture. I'll show it to yeah, you. Yeah. But it's, I was just fucking overwhelmed. I was like... Holy shit. Was that special access or did they let you the Special access. The Wallapai uh, tribe let us sleep on a, on a burial ground. Wow. And then, uh, and then gave us access to go out and get on the edge. And it was just fucking amazing. Yeah. I mean, it was one of those things where you're just like, are you fucking kidding me? Here's what I love is that they, like the Hoover Dam, they've built a wall up so you can't see it. You can't just drive by and see it because I'm sure it would slow down traffic. Yeah. But like I love that you can just drive by the, the fucking... Yeah, we don't have to pay $20 for parking. We can Fucking just great. And this is where Evan's sightseeing buses used to go? Yep. Parking here really? to drop everybody off. Oh, that's buses only? Yeah. 
There's some old ladies here, but we'll, some... we'll get a good view. This is where you want to see it again. Okay. Yeah, you can see the American Falls at this side, which is a lot smaller and underwhelming, but imagine seeing the falls from the American side and how shitty it would be. Oh, <laughs> wait, I don't understand why. We, Look, we holy shit. The American side had to build that extra half bridge so they can actually see the falls. Yeah, because you had to like walk out on it. Really? Oh my God. Oh that's my God. Because filmed everything from was that, remember when that guy tightrope walked this last year? Oh my God. That's fucking insane. And you holy can feel shit. the air you wet. Like, yeah. Tell me if you can hear it. Can you get out? Yeah, I'm hopping out. All right, I'm hopping out. I've got recorder in hand. I'll barefoot. Holy mother of God. Holy. Oh, that is absolutely overwhelming. I'm getting a picture. I'm getting a picture. I'm barefoot. I'm sitting on by the by the falls I don't know if you can see it I'm gonna get no no I'm fine thank you though I appreciate the offer let's see if I can get a panoramic oh this is fucking out of this world this is fucking outrageous I know I should be smarter than to be able to say words like fucking outrageous and but this is it's just what comes to mind when you're a meathead See if we can take a picture. Let's see if we can take a panoramic. Do it again. Sorry, I know I might have to edit some of this out. This is nice. This is a nice panoramic. I'm gonna post this and you're gonna see it if you click on it. God dang, this is hot. I'm doing one more panoramic. I don't give a crap. Oh, nice, nice, nice. This is the money shot right here. Okay, one more of me. Let's see, I lost the car, I lost the boys. They'll be coming back around. I got the mic, let's see. All right, perfect. This is absolutely awe-inspiring. If you get an opportunity, God, I want to go down where they're wearing the wetsuits. They're in, I want to take the boat. Let me tell you something. I'm coming back here and I'm bringing my family. There's no way you don't show children this. This is so overwhelming. The boat goes literally maybe 100, 100, no, about 50 yards from the falls. It looks like I could survive it. I got to be dead honest with you. I feel like I could survive it. It doesn't look that bad. 
But I want to go underneath. I want to go down. You can look down to the right. The Canadian side is so much better than the United States side. I would never go see this on the United States side. The boat literally goes down in the mist. You've got to see it from there. I'm definitely taking my kids here. This is a family trip. I don't care how touristy it is. This is 100% a family trip. This is something you do with your kids. And you go down and you put these slickers on. And you go down to where is like down underneath the falls where you're watching it come down. And you've got to see it from that perspective. I mean, it looks awe-inspiring from here. But looking up at the falls, you always get a different perspective from the water. I'm looking for my ride to see where they are. This is absolutely fantastic. I'm so glad I did this. I'm so glad. This, Dear Comics, if there's ever a reason to do this comedy club, it's this. I'm barefoot. Uh, we are uh, at the falls, and it is absolutely awe-inspiring. I'm coming, I'm coming. Just come back, come back. Go do a loop, do a loop. <laughs> so uh, they just drove by me in the car. They're trying to pick me up. But I could sit here for a little longer at Niagara Falls. I hope the sound on this is semi-good. I hope you're hearing this, the falls. I'm going to walk down a little bit. I wish I had put on shoes. I'm barefoot right now. This is so fucking awesome. Oh, man. And it just doesn't stop. That's the thing that really gives you, like, pause. It's like it's not going to stop. There's no stopping this. This is eternity. This will happen forever as long as we don't screw up the the, uh, the polar caps, I'm sure. I want, I'm telling you, if I come here again, when I come here again with my family, I'm doing two things. I'm getting on one of these boats, and I don't care that there is what looks to be, like, a titanic amount of people. All right, goodbye, Niagara Falls. What a fucking... Holy crap! That is amazing. Yeah. That is out of this world amazing. I am telling you right now, it gives you so much pause because you look at the magnitude of it, yeah, yeah, and you yeah. look at like, at like, uh, at like the idea that it's not stopping, mm-hmm. it's not going yeah, anywhere, yeah, yeah. and uh, it just is so. The American side sucks. We got really shafted in this whole, this whole fucking trade of land. Yeah, yeah. Hey, we'll take this side. You guys don't want to come over here. It gets cold. The War of 1812, we really, that was the one thing we got Are right. you, you guys won the War of 1812 and got Niagara Falls? Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. This is a, I hope, I don't give a shit about how bad the audio is. I'm posting this podcast. Yeah. This is so, I just pray to God. I'm going to send it to someone to clean up, but this is fucking overwhelming. I am telling you. Oh, that's the bridge you were talking about yeah, that they yeah, built. yeah. yeah. Oh, look, and there's uh, a there... sort of weird play going on over here. Oh, is that what that is? Yeah. Oh, yeah, it looks like, uh, it, it looks do... like the Canadian version of uh, Alice in Wonder... Of, uh, of, uh, what was the... <laughs> of The Wizard of Oz. Yeah. yeah. I hate... What... It, wait, it, it is the Canadian version of The Wizard of Oz. That guy's in the Scarecrow outfit, isn't he? Yeah. Oh, he's, he's an Indian. No, that's native. He's, he's, an, native. he's a native. Yeah. This is what the War of 1812 was. Yeah. It's so... I hate when oh, embarrassing the... Canada stuff happens, like... In front of the kid, like we have so many things that we do that's supposed to be our heritage that just embarrasses us in front of Americans. It's the worst. Oh, that is absolutely. I'm so glad we did that. Thank yeah, you guys. No Thank you for bringing me into this club. I'm telling you right now, if you're a comic, listen to this. You got to fight to get into this club. Come in here, do Toronto. Come see Niagara Falls. Come see Niagara <laughs> Falls. 
head to Buffalo the next week, Dude, take the family. I'm coming back. I'm coming back with my family. I'm gonna book. I'm gonna book Helium again, and I'm gonna do the exact same run, except I'm gonna have my kids meet me in my Niagara Falls. <laughs> <laughs> this is so freaking awesome. Hold on, if, if this is the first time you're here and you really love the falls, like, should we take them down to the Whirlpool and everything too? No, we don't have time. Let's go eat. Let's go eat Buffalo wings. Cool. All right. I say so. Let's uh, let's wrap this out. This has been. A, an hour and 33 minutes. We ended on a great high point. Yeah. Um, what a fucking... I had, wish I had known that it was going to be that awesome. I definitely would have planned a day here, but I would rather have buffalo wings, sadly. Because I, <laughs> I haven't eaten so that I could earn them. Yeah, um, so now we're going to Buffalo. Uh, if you're listening to this, I've already played in Buffalo. So I hope you enjoy the shows. I hope nothing bad happened. I hope everyone had a good time in Toronto. Um, this week, this saw me. I hope... Uh, um, I hope you didn't mind the audio in this podcast too bad. I just did it on my on my Zoom. Yeah. Just the fucking mic cords. Do you guys have anything we want to plug? Uh, yeah, actually. So, really you, enough, like, guys, I apologize. Um, the person you've heard spoke, speak the most is Rob. <laughs> and Evan had all the interesting facts. I should have done that at the beginning. Maybe I'll do that at the beginning. I'll I'll, I'll re put something up at the front. What do you want to plug, Rob? Uh, I'm uh, in, if you are Vancouver listeners, I'm assuming. So I'm headlining a Laugh Lines Comedy Club in Vancouver, uh, July 18th and 19th. So I should actually, I guess I'll plug that. I, I, yeah, yeah. Cool. This will be up before then. I'm going to post this. I think I'm going to leapfrog this one and throw it up a little earlier. Cool. Um, Evan. Uh, I'm going cross country from Vancouver back to Toronto, uh, starting July 20th, and my Twitter is at Evan Comedy. Oh yeah, and I'm at Rob Loves Arguing. Let's do that too, I guess. Rob Loves Arguing. Yeah, yeah. At Rob Loves Arguing. At Evan Loves Comedy. Oh, Evan Comedy. Evan Comedy. Evan Loves Comedy. <laughs> you guys love comedy. Dude. Um, and uh, and I have nothing to plug. I plugged it up front at the beginning of this. Um, thank you guys so much been a fun fucking podcast and the best part is this, continue, this conversation is going to continue until we get to Buffalo so maybe we'll do a second one alright thanks guys this episode was brought to you by The Machine